Well, Dave mentioned that we come here and we come here to hear from God, hopefully, and so we give our attention to Him. And I do hope that He speaks to each one of us as we as we take this time out on our Sunday and come even through music, that He might speak to your spirit or through His Word as we look into His Word. So I'd like to begin with another word of prayer, if you would pray with me, please. Father, we gather here because we want to hear from you. And we want you, just as we sang in that song, to be the center of our lives. But there's a part of us that keeps straying away from you. And so I pray that you would, even this morning, as we've given this time, through whatever way you choose, call us back to you. And help us hear from you. And as we begin this new series this morning where we're encouraging people to be listening for you in their lives and how you might speak to them through your word, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear. I'm mindful that revelation comes only through the work of your spirit. And it's by your spirit that you're speaking to us now. And so help us tune out the other voices yet again. And hear directly from the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're hoping that this series is not just a series where you come and listen to teachers, but that we'll have 100% participation, is what we've been saying. 100% participation in people listening to what God might be saying to them personally in His Word. And how He might be speaking to you. The series is called Life Verse. And we're asking everyone in our church family to be seeing how God might be speaking to them through a verse or a passage in Scripture at this stage in their life. Or maybe maybe you already know that you have a life verse that God has laid on your heart or, or there's something right now He's speaking to you about and you just need to say, that's what He's speaking to me about and I need to listen to Him on this. But we're hoping everyone will be listening and somehow God will impress on them some part of His Scripture that He... He he wants to speak to them through. And then you might even share it with the rest of us. So we have some helps available for you as we go into this series. And at the back at the Info Center is the first help. There's There's a little life verse folder. And you can pick that up back there. And it tells inside a different things about how to help you listen to God through His Word, some subjected, some suggested scriptures. Dave, a little writing about his life verse is right on the back there. Also on the internet, if you go to our homepage and you click Life Verse, you can uh, go there and get some of those helps. And if you haven't signed up for our daily scriptures, we would encourage you to do that because uh, our staff has all written what they feel God is laying on their heart at this point, speaking to them through His Word, and they're writing a little bit about it, and so you can get examples of Life Verses in there. And it would be our hope that, really our hope would be, everyone in the church family would put their life verse there on the internet like they could or share it with someone some way and would be really hearing from God through his word. And so what I want to do this morning is just give you an example of how God has spoken to me through his word at different periods in my life. Not so much that you will learn about uh, you know, what God has said to me in my life, but you might see how God might speak to an individual in the course of their lives through his word. And then you might be saying, well, he's done that to me in this way, in this way, in this way. And I can't tell you when I, going back thinking about this, writing about this, how inspiring it's been for me to go back and see in a clearer, fresher way 
wow, God was really doing that in me at that time. And I have to give a little disclaimer because I grew up with uh, two parents who came to know the Lord personally when I was three. And they fell deeply in love with the Lord. And they wanted more than anything to raise a Christian family. They reoriented their whole lives around it. And they got into the Bible immensely. And they changed churches so we could learn the Bible more. And so I was flooded with scriptures as a youngster. And so there were many things God used to speak to me. And so so what I've done is picked out just a few of the highlights along the way. The first one is really not a what I would call a life verse. I don't, I don't even think I knew that it, what it meant when it first came to me. But when I look back, it was sort of a prophetic verse over my life. And in some ways, it's sort of an overarching life verse, even though I don't say this is the main you know, verse that God has used to speak into my life. My mom was praying when I was younger for each of her children. I have three siblings, two, other, two brothers and a younger sister. And she was praying for each of us what God might have for our life, as she describes this. And she was looking through the scriptures, praying, and she did this for a number of weeks. And then finally, when she felt like she had prayed specifically and and God had sort of given her some inspiration in her spirit about each of her children, she picked a verse that she thought related to each child. And then she wrote it out on a piece of paper and put it at at the seat where we would sit for breakfast one morning. And I was in elementary school. And my younger, I was late elementary, and, and I, I don't remember it being a big deal to me, except I was very confused by the verse because it didn't make that much sense to me at that point. And it was Isaiah 52, 7. And it simply said, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Actually, she wrote it out in the King James for me, and I didn't put it here in the King James because that was even more confusing. But when I look back, time and time again, Isaiah 52, 7 has come to me. It amazes me how often God has used me to share good news, the good news of Christ with people. And for my mom to have that impression when I was younger... I've memorized what the psalmist said. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And I believe he spoke to my mother a little bit about the calling of my life as an evangelist, as a speaker, and it made absolutely no sense to me when I was younger. But whenever I see that verse, I'm reminded of how God spoke to my mother. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. So in some ways it was a prophetic verse over my life. The next verses that God really used to speak to me in life, I became a believer when I was eight years old. And as I was growing through elementary and early junior high, I was a very timid young man. I mean, little boy. I was very insecure. I was not courageous. I was a hard worker. But I had all of these inferiority feelings. And a teacher in our school started a Fellowship of Christian Athletes huddle. And I loved athletics, and so I went to one of the first few Fellowship of Christian Athletes huddles. And in those huddles, they have an athlete share something about how God has been working in their lives. And I remember, I don't know exactly which one it was I went to, when the gentleman who was sharing shared about a specific verse. And with all us young athletes around there, I remember listening to that 
and sensing God was really speaking to me through it. It was 1 Timothy 4.12. And it simply said, Paul writing to Timothy, who was a young man in the faith, and he said simply, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for believers in speech, love, life, purity, in the way you live, in faith. And those words... It was like the Spirit impressed him on me and called me to a different way. You don't have to, Tim, let people be looking down. You don't have to live with all those feelings of insecurity and inferiority. You're one of my children. You can actually move and be an example to others. And somehow God used that verse by His Spirit to start calling me out of cowardice and insecurity. And that's gone on for much of my life. For for that period of my life, God used that verse, and you're going to hear about this verse from another one of our teachers, another verse, 2 Timothy 1.7, where Paul writes to Timothy and says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but one of power, love, and self-discipline or a sound mind. And those two verses came to me again and again. God kept reminding me, Tim, you don't have to be so insecure. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to think that way about yourself. And so it was sort of the first calling in God's Word towards a new level of maturity in my life. Then I got into late high school, and with a little more confidence in that, but but still not near as secure in the Lord as I would have liked to have been back then. But I developed what I would call somewhat of an obsession. And it was almost an obsession that ran through my whole life. And it was an obsession about discipline. And it especially was accentuated around exercise because of my love for sports. And so I was just a fanatic about exercise and work and self-discipline and schooling. And and it trailed right into my spiritual life. And I'm really happy I erred, you know, pulled the tree too far at that stage of my life because then it helped me find a balance in self-discipline. has helped me more of a disciplined person all my life. But then it was somewhat of an idolatrous behavior, and especially towards exercise, And I was in the spiritual realm, just in self-discipline, going through a scripture memory program. And I would memorize verse after verse after verse in there. And I remember when I came to this verse in the scripture memory program, and again, it was Paul to Timothy. God used the book of Timothy to speak to me so much early on. Paul to Timothy, and it was 1 Timothy 4.8. And I remember when I came to the verse in the scripture program, I really didn't like it that much. Paul said to Timothy, for physical training is of some value. But godliness, training in godliness, actually in the, ver- in the version I memorized it, training in godliness has value both for this life and the life to come. And I remember having this little wrestling in my spirit with this truth. Really, The spiritual life is more important than the physical. And as a little high schooler, God was calling me to realize, look, all of my energies shouldn't be put towards the temporal. There's something transcendent at stake. There's something eternal at stake. And that verse kept speaking to me, and God kept using it to try and get me to see a larger picture of life. I went into college, and my whole goal was what I would call temporary. I was impassioned by the American dream. It was just all I really had thought about. You get your high school degree. 
Then you go to college and you get your college degree so that you can get a good job, so you can make money, so you can have a home, so you can then have a comfortable life, you can raise your family there and live happily ever after. Seemed like a good plan to me. And that's that was really the passion or the goal, the drive of my life. And so I was pursuing that way. Now, I got into college, and God had already been speaking to me about the temporal nature of the physical body and how much I was overdoing it in the exercise regime. And then I joined a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And the mantra of Campus Crusade for Christ was a total focus on the eternal souls of men and women. Now, I was raised in the church, and I'd heard all this stuff before, but all of a sudden, God was opening my heart to the real realities of eternity. And I remember the first verse with crusade that they impressed upon the people who were joining their ministry, coming alongside in their ministry, was Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus is parting words to his followers. He said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And so as he was leaving them, he said, now therefore you go and make disciples of all nations. Flows right in with the mission of our church, helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And this verse, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, teaching them to obey all I have commanded, you know, to all nations, lo, I'm with you. And then I thought, God was with that ministry and that passage of Scripture, started messing with my heart about even the goal of my life. Was I, was I settling for two too low level of a aspiration. Was there some higher calling? And then through college, I just call it the crisis of my soul, where God was challenging all my temporal aspirations. The words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, 16, verse 26. What good does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? This created anxiety in me. I just wanted that simple American life. And yet God was impressing on me some eternal realities. I just couldn't. They were just coming at me in such a strong way. I really didn't know what to do with them. I just felt like, Lord, I don't want to deal with that right now. Acts 4.12, the salvation of souls is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Paul in Romans, how can anyone know unless we tell them? And the realities of eternity, Jesus, Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate. This verse, I used to think about this verse and just think, is this really true? Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. I used to walk around campus down at the University of Iowa and think, how many people are on this road? How many people are on the broad road? Jesus said, many, that leads to destruction. Small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This stuff was piercing me. Jesus, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. At this time, 
I had an enormous amount of anxiety because God was dismantling this false sense of security I had from the American dream and the prosperity of America. And it created all kinds of worry and tension in here. I didn't know what to do with it. So many things were coming at me in my life and and I would turn again and again and again to Matthew chapter 6 from where comes my life verse. And I would read this just to comfort my own soul. Jesus, I want to read it for you right now. And Jesus really, at that point in my life, was bringing it to me, I felt like, as a proposition. No one can serve two masters. That's what I was wrestling with. Who was going to be my master? No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and the spirit of mammon is what it is. The lust for things of this world. Can't do it. And then right after that, knowing that this call would create tension in many, I believe Jesus launched into this whole section about worry. So I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And they they use a couple analogies. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked a specific question. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I remember as a college student thinking, we're more important than the animals to God. He cares for the birds. Would he care for me? And then he pointed to the lilies of the field. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't sow or spin. They don't make their own clothes. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all his riches, in all his splendor, is clothed like one of these. Now, if God clothes the grass of the field like that, will he not much more clothe you? And then he would bring this, O you of little faith. In all of that tension in my life, God was saying, Tim, will you trust me with your life? Then it would get to Matthew 6.31. Do not worry, saying, what should we eat, what should we drink? What should we wear? The pagans run after these things. Jesus was literally telling me, in college, I was doing what the pagans do. Those that don't know God. Running after the stuff of this world. And then came what I would say is my life verse. Matthew 6.33 The pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But you, and here was the proposition, you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It was a job offer to me. Vocational job offer. Life offer. At the end of my college career, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be taken care of. God will meet your needs. My passion for the interviews I was having was dwindling for a year. I kept saying, God, I do not know what this means, how to do this. But whatever this call is, I will do it. 
he was, it was first a challenge to the prayer. Seek first, Tim. And it kept coming. I will do this. I don't know what I'm, I will do it. I was on my knees. I would go to an interview and I said, nothing feels right, God. I don't know. Oh, I don't know how to do this, but would you lead me in it? Three months left my senior year. And I got a little letter in the mail inviting me into full-time ministry as I was reading the letter. It was like the Spirit impressed me. This is the way, Tim. This is the next step. Go this way. Walk in it. And so I said, by faith, I'll leave, you know, what I trained for. I'll give up all those things. I'll go work in a ministry. And I started to move by faith that direction. And that was the beginning of God starting to open up the second part of that verse, the kingdom of God to me. And then over the next number of years, as I was in the ministry and would receive training and people would come and teach and train about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of God exists not in a geographical range, but it's a, it's a reign of a one true king who reigns over history and all this. And I would get so thankful that God had spoken to me in His Word and called me to live my life for something far larger than the American dream. And eventually, out of this verse would come my life's mission, which is to glorify God and advance His kingdom in all that I say and in all that I do. And the beauty of that, as I've reflected on it, is it hasn't mattered where I've worked, where I've lived, what houses, what's happened to me in my family and extended family. No one can take away that kind of a mission. I remember reading about Corrie Ten Boom in the Nazi war camps. And she was being whipped and people were, and she was living out her life to the glory of God. And I was thinking, anyone can live this way. It's such a pure call. And it can keep you on a path from so much extra turmoil. And I was just, I have so, been so thankful for this. But numerous times I've lost my way. And this week the Lord reminded me that, you know, Tim, you haven't always lived this out very well. I remember one period of my life where I was very focused back on a number of temporal things in life and I was, God I think wasn't really pleased with me. And there was a gentleman who kept stopping by our house and many of you will know him, his name was Grant Wheeler and he used to run a lot and he would run out by our house and he would stop and he was so fired up about Jesus and his eternal kingdom, I mean he just could not turn it off. And he would come and he'd say, Tim, did you talk to anyone about Jesus today? And then he would tell me who he'd talk to about Jesus and Jesus' eternal kingdom. And I was like, man, this guy is, he is ramped up. How could you possibly live that way consistently? And in some way, God was trying to bring me back to say, Tim, the only thing that really matters is the eternal kingdom. And then one Friday night, after Grant fixed his car, he got into his car and he was driving it and many of us know out on the interstate here he was killed tragically in an accident and then I was asked to do uh, his funeral and I remember going to do that funeral and God just giving me I just had this sense of going white I don't know if Grant knew but it was like 
somehow Grant knew. And he was just bottling it all up there and, and getting it out as clear as he could. The only thing that really matters is Jesus and His eternal kingdom. Everything else is fading away. Grant was just, the veins in his neck, just when he was running and he was talking about a normal conversation. Have you talked to anyone about Jesus? I'm like, not in the last hour, Grant. But he probably had. Somehow he knew his time was brief or something. And I remember walking in there thinking, God save me from straying from what you've already taught me. Well, that's how God has used, really, a number of verses in my life. I want to encourage you today. I mean, He might be speaking to you in some specific way now, and some teachers will share that. Or He might be speaking to you over the course of a long period through a verse, and you've been kind of like I was in college, denying, kind of pushing it away. God's trying to get you to embrace some realities. Whatever the case, we believe that God is always speaking to His people. And He does it primarily through His Word, by the impression of His Spirit. And we as His people are called, really, to listen. And open up our hearts to what He's saying here. And so I would encourage you in the next four weeks, if you could join us and all of us in this church, quieting down other things in our lives and saying, God, what would you or what are you saying to me about my life? Are you trying to mature me in some way? Are you trying to inspire me in some way? Are you trying to correct me in some way? And if you hear from him, I pray then you'll take the time to think about it and even write it out and then describe how God is working in your life through that verse. And then, should you so choose, we would love to have you put it on our website so we could just see how God is speaking in so many different ways into our church family, into our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, it's a real privilege for me to share about how you've spoken to me in my life and it's and it's helped me again looking back knowing what you've done in me and how you've called me and I would pray that as that's worked in me it would work for many in our church family and maybe for those who've never heard much from your word somehow through this time as we're praying about this your your spirit would speak to them through your word in such a way that it would be unmistakable for them to say, that is God. That is God speaking to my soul and my spirit. And then you would help them to have ears to listen and a heart and will to respond. And help us all in this. In Christ's name, amen.